Are you ready to take your leadership in your organization to the next level and beyond? Your competitors will be there before you know it. Today's leaders must perpetually innovate their leadership approach, evolve their organizations, and grow faster than the competition. Welcome to Innovating Leadership, co-creating our future with Maureen Metcalf. In the next hour, you'll meet innovative leaders who have become successful at the helm of some of the most respected organizations in the world, and you can become the next big success story. Now, here is your host, Maureen Metcalf. Hi, welcome to Innovating Leadership, Co-Creating Our Future. I'm your host, Maureen Metcalf. I'm the founder and CEO of the Innovative Leadership Institute. We help leaders identify disruptive trends and develop strategies to transform themselves and their organizations into industry leaders, and if they are industry leaders, to sustain that leadership role. I'm a regular contributor to Forbes and the lead author on an award-winning book series focusing on innovating how you lead and transforming your organization. I'm also a fellow with the International Leadership Association. I'm delighted that we have a returned guest today, Dale Myros. Dr. Myros is a retired Air Force Major General and the first president-appointed U.S. Senate-confirmed Chief Information Officer of the U.S. Intelligence Community. With over four decades of military, government, industry, and academic experience, this internationally recognized technology thought leader offers practical advice to CIOs, leaders, and the organizations they run in navigating the 21st century digital world. Dale is an internationally respected subject matter expert on leadership, strategic planning, cybersecurity, e-health, and information technologies, and information and military matters. He's a strategic partner with the Innovative Leadership Institute, so we get the pleasure of working with him on a regular basis. So I want this Voice America series to provide valuable information to leaders and emerging leaders that will prepare them to lead their organizations in the dynamic times we currently face. What I hear from leaders regularly is they are so focused on the challenges they're tackling that they often don't have time to focus on themselves and improving their capacity as leaders. There's nothing left in the tank at the end of the day. So my hope is that this series is a practical way for you as leaders and emerging leaders to hear, to tune in weekly or or download a podcast and find a way to listen to these very thought-provoking leaders. And in the course of doing that, here's something each week that will either update your mindset and or a tool or practice that you can put into place immediately. I believe that this conversation will be absolutely aligned with that goal. So the workforce is changing rapidly and finding the right talent is a continual challenge for leaders. To complicate matters, technology is changing the nature, if not the definition of work. The general technologies associated with artificial intelligence and machine learning are seen as having most potential to influence these workforce dynamics. Dr. Meyer Rose will bring clarity to these rapidly evolving concepts and developments with which leaders will have to deal sooner rather than later. And in some cases, these are already disrupting our workforce. So Dale, first of all, welcome and thank you for sharing your insights with us again today. Well, thanks Maureen for having me. Uh, This is an exciting topic for me and and I think uh, very much a disruptive uh, element in in, uh, leadership challenge 
that people face today. So leaders need to recognize um, the competition for talent within their industries. And this is one of the things I hear most from the CEO groups I facilitate from the leaders who are trying to hire people, that that war for talent or the talent shortage is already in place. So can you tell us a little bit more about the numbers behind that situation and the, the talent shortage, where it is now and where we're expecting to go? Sure. Uh, as 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 an underlying uh, element of everything that I've heard you do, you talk about how leaders leaders must continually innovate, uh, and and if you keep doing what you've been doing, uh, you're not likely to succeed because you're going to get the same result. Um, in January ni- uh, 2019, uh, the U.S. economy had about 7.6 million unfilled jobs. Uh, and not enough people applying for them. Uh, and in fact, that trend of unfilled jobs for the last two years has been increasing at a rate of five to eight percent. And I've seen several forecasts. The, the one I like to uh, quote uh, most often is one by Corn Ferry, uh, which predicts that that even these numbers will probably get worse uh, before they get better. Uh, first of all, education systems, not only in our country, but in other countries, are doing a poor job of preparing the workforce uh, for for the challenges of today and tomorrow. Uh, and and chances of that improving uh, uh, don't seem to be on, on, the, on the horizon. Corn Ferry also forecasts that the United States alone will lose $435 billion in lost productivity due to, the, due to lack of available t- uh, talent. That means that that uh, everybody is competing for the for the same talent uh, in order to get ahead. Uh, Corn Ferry further uh, says that every industrialized economy will suffer a similar fate, uh, although on a much smaller scale. Uh, and the hardest hit industries are those that re- that require a significant amount of te- technical acumen. Uh, and the three hardest hit industries. Uh, by this lack of talent, are likely and forecasted to be the financial industries, the technology, media, and telecom industries, uh, and manufacturing. So those statistics are really helpful, and in fact, I have also read this report, so it, it is something that I, I believe is is. Uh, fairly readily available to folks and for leaders who are in the talent space and worried about talent, this is really important information to be thinking about as we go forward. How much money does does each leader's company forego because they don't have employees to, to grow, expand, meet existing customer needs? These are real issues today and will get worse over the next I don't remember the time horizon of Corn Ferry. It may have been 10 years. Uh, well, some of the statistics and forecasts were, were 10 years out, and others were over the next two to three years, uh, de- depending upon uh, uh, how, how macro the, that they were looking at the problem. But there is no doubt uh, that, that talent is a true differentiator uh, between good, uh, bad companies and good companies, good companies and excellent companies and excellent companies and great companies. Uh, and, and talent, talent is, uh, is something that is, is very, very hard, 
uh, not only to recruit and sign, but then then to keep after you have them because everybody's trying to poach them from you. So with that as the backdrop then, technology offers some solutions because I think the Corn Ferry report did not include the introduction of artificial intelligence and the digital workforce. So can you tell us a little bit about what's... So what's happening in that space? Because that could significantly upend these predictions. Sure, a- a- absolutely. Uh, and, and again, Corn Ferry was was uh, was pretty much focused on on human talent. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but as min- many of us have been have been following uh, uh, the artificial intelligence and the machine learning technologies. Uh, there are all kind of possibilities, and and they're expressed in various ways, and and the expression uh, is is one that either causes people to get excited, depending upon where they are in an organization, and other people to get fearful. Uh, but uh, artificial intelligence is is allowing us to to uh, create. Uh, some people call them digital workers. Some call them robots. Some call them bots. Uh, again, it depends upon which industry you're in as to what people are comfortable with. Uh, but in essence, it's a software program that you can either load on a single computer or load on a server in an enterprise uh, and, mm-hmm. and uh, have cert- certain actions performed. Uh, you know, anything that, that requires visual perception, data harvesting, knowledge learning, problem solving, planning, sequencing, uh, collaboration, uh, listing, uh, all of those types of, of, of activities, uh, the technology is mature enough that, that you can have a program designed to perform those functions. And, and so uh, uh, those, those, those software programs, whether they're loaded on an individual computer or a server, uh, can, can be programmed and taught to accomplish tasks. Uh, and and uh, it wasn't that long ago that the task was very perfunctory. You know, yes, no task uh, uh, is something there, is something not there. Uh, and and in the last few years, the industry has gotten mature enough to where it can perform process tasks. It can make differentiation uh, between values. It can it can go it can go out and and uh, research. Uh, Sites for for information that, that you're that you're looking for, and so there are a series of of, of tasks, uh, many tasks in fact, that these robots can now can now do. And uh, uh, so, in essence, you end up with your own robot or or uh, force of robots uh, that can be considered or looked at as part of uh, part of, part of your workforce. And so I read the one of the recent World Economic Reports, and I think they talked about something like half of jobs will be impacted over the next four years. So that's a pretty short time horizon now that at least one out of every two people we know, their jobs will be impacted by something like a third. Obviously, some will be more, some will be less. But that says these digital workers or, or bots will be changing many of our jobs pretty quickly. Absolutely. And, and again, this, this, uh, this is a leadership challenge. 
when you're dealing with your human workforce. Mm-hmm. Uh, because there's a fear that says, all right, I perform the following tasks, and, and you're going to have this digital robot perform the task, so what tasks am I going to do? And, and so, so the challenge becomes, again, work differentiation of, of what, what uh, uh, cognitive tasks do you want your, work for, your human workforce working on, and so what, what design of, of perfunctory tasks can you have your digital workforce uh, working in order to assist uh, your human workforce. What the theory is, is is that everybody's going to go the way of the toll booth cashier and the elevator operator. And as you know, there aren't too many toll booth cashiers or elevator operators because they've all been replaced uh, by some type of of automation. That's the automation of a task. Uh, This industry, by the way, is called RPA. It stands for Robotic Process Automation. Uh, and, uh, uh, and, and in fact, I've often thought uh, that it's more important to consider this uh, as, as, a part, as a part of the workforce and not an automation project. Uh, that's because, you know, you're looking at how you define work uh, and, and how work is accomplished and how outcomes and results are produced within your organization. So... My assumption then, as I listen to you, is over the next couple of years, there are some segments of an organization whose jobs will shift. So in some cases, it's a technology organization where when software becomes a service, people who manage the software and the hardware no longer have those roles and those people will need to be redeployed to do something else. And then for other people, there are going to be small redesigns. So now as a leader, I need to continually evaluate how roles are changing and what work my people are doing relative to their digital companions. Exactly. And, and again, there are a couple of ways we'll talk about in a little bit about, about digital companions versus a digital workforce. Um, but, but the crux of, of, of the matter, the leadership matter is, is, is that, see, today I've got a human maybe doing an entire spectrum of things for eight hours, and six of those hours are taken up by looking up information or gathering research reports or whatever, and they only do two hours of highly cognitive work of figuring out, well, what does this mean? How should our company plan for it? Uh, what steps should we should we take? And, and so, in essence, you have an individual's time taking up six hours for looking up mon- mundane types of things, and only two hours for doing the highly valued cognitive uh, uh, functions with the information gathered. So, what if that if, what if that individual had either a single digital worker or multiple digital workers? that could work all night, and when they showed up the next morning, they wouldn't have to spend their first six hours gathering information because their digital workforce, their bots, would have gathered that information, formatted it properly, maybe even outlined several formats of information and courses of action, and, and now your, your human worker has got eight hours uh, to, to devote to highly cognitive, high, highly valued uh, operations and decision-making for your organization. That's just sort of an elementary 
one-off type of thing that, that, that I think speaks to how leadership needs to address our human workforce uh, about the issue of integrating a uh, digital workforce for robots. So as you're talking about this, and we're going to go on break pretty quickly, I, I'm thinking I started my career as a financial analyst, and I spent a lot of time doing analysis. I now have a colleague who's doing hardcore data analytics, and he's got programs, a series of uh highly complex tools that can probably do in seconds what I spent days doing. So it seems like it's not only the mundane tasks, in some cases it's the hardcore tasks. Oh, absolutely. And when we get to the use cases, which I would like to talk about later in our interview, I'll cite some of some of those things that, that happen even in today's society uh, that, that relate to how, how financial transactions are, are, are uh, taken care of and, and worked, and that was all done through through the use of, of a digital workforce uh, in the RPA industry. Perfect. Well, let's go on break now, and I would encourage our listeners as we break and you're listening to commercials to think about what percentage of your role could be automated in the next two to four years, and how would you use your talents differently when you are able to offload some of the more mundane work. You're listening to Dale Myros and Maureen Metcalf, and we're talking about the digital workforce and the leadership issues associated with it. We'll be right back. Now you don't have to stay linked to your desktop or laptop. Take Voice America on the go and listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. The Innovative Leadership Institute is your trusted partner to create perpetual innovation and evolution in your leadership and organization. Are you ready to innovate and evolve? Since its inception, the Innovative Leadership Institute has been dedicated to helping leaders evolve their leadership mindset and skills and create organizations that can continually innovate to achieve results in a highly competitive and rapidly changing environment. We help leaders, management teams, and organizations identify and create the capacity to update how they lead, identify, and implement transformative solutions necessary to meet their mission and create strategic advantage. The Innovative Leadership Institute offers proven results backed by leading-edge research and a global network of accomplished consultants and thought leaders. Visit InnovativeLeadershipInstitute.com. Maureen and her associates are ready to discuss your needs and tailor a solution to meet your goals. Move forward with the Innovative Leadership Institute. Visit InnovativeLeadershipInstitute.com today. If you are interested in the business of rental equipment, be sure to check out Rental Equip Talk Radio with host Donald Charbonnet. We talk to some of the top names in the rental industry, as well as cover topics that include safety, training, fleet management, legal issues, and more. We'll also cover the history and future of the rental equipment industry. Rental Equip Talk Radio can be heard live every Wednesday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at Voice America TRN. You are listening to Innovative Leadership. 
co-creating our future. To reach Maureen Metcalf or her guest today, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to info at InnovativeLeadershipInstitute.com. Now, back to this week's program. Welcome back to Innovating Leadership, Co-Creating Our Future. You're with Maureen Metcalf and Dale Myros. We're talking about the digital workforce. So, Dale, earlier on you talked about robotic process automation, RPA, and gave a definition of what it is. Can you talk a little bit more about what it does? Because for most of us, sure. this even if we've heard the the reference to RPA, we really don't know much about what what this means for us. Sure, sure. And and again, this is a rapidly evolving uh, industry. Uh, your your audience may also hear of another three letter abbreviation called RDA, and that stands for robotic desktop automation. Okay, so the primary difference between RPA, robotic process automation, is, is, is that that's an assumption that, that, uh, that your robots or your digital workers are, are deployed uh, on your servers or within your network and your enterprise, and, and people from across your enterprise can call on them to do work. And so you might think that, you know, just like, just like your human workforce, you'll have a work schedule for your digital workforce. Uh, The RDA tends to be a technology that is deployed on a single desktop. Okay, so so RPA tends to be network-based, enterprise-based. RDA tends tends to be on a single computer, so only an individual uh, can can access uh, that robot. Uh, And and as, as you might imagine, if you deploy... A series of robots in an enterprise. They can they they are credentialed to do multiple things, and depending upon who asks them to do work, uh, and if they're deployed on a single desktop, uh, then that means just the just the owner uh, or the people who have access to that single desktop uh, are able to use the the, uh, the robot. The the primary thing that that industries that have deployed. Uh, uh, these dig- this digital workforce or these bots on a large scale is is, is improved customer experience. Uh, for the most part, if you if you make a call in to an 800 number or an international dial-in number, chances are there's a robot robotic process automation that answers your call and steers it to the to the right department, or in some cases answers your call. Uh, but but having having the, a, uh, your task and your workload uh, that you can automated, uh, it it uh, it reduces human error, uh, and and of course we run into this uh, uh, a lot of times about uh, uh, about a, a digitization function being more accurate than the human one because the human one gets tired. The human, you know, has diverts attention, and and the robot never gets tired, never diverts attention, and can work 24 hours without taking a coffee break, uh, or lunch, or getting sick, or going home, or or any of those kinds of things. And so, industries that have made good use of RPA technology have found that that they get better performance for those functions that the, that the, that those robots do. 
They lower the operational risk because it, because it, it reduces errors uh, and typically does, does things faster. Uh, it provides better efficiency uh, and agility because it provides the predictability every single time of whatever function it, it's doing. It also allows, particularly in the RPA configuration, it allows for a ready surge capacity. Uh, so if you've got if you've got somebody who who all of a sudden picks up a new project that has to be done by close of business today, or you have a large order, or or you have somebody with a problem and need to do some some very quick uh, calculations or search capability or creating visuals or planning or pro- solving somebody's problem, uh, you you have you have a ready force that you can call on. Uh, in, in order to help you. Uh, RPA answers phone calls, sends emails, logs into applications. Uh, it, is, it is very, very good at entering data, more, more data than, than any number of humans can do. And, and all the activity of, uh, of these digital robots is completely auditable, uh, which means you can see uh, how their performance is doing, are they injecting errors, uh, and and can that can that be done? Do they need to be trained on on another process? Uh, and and in fact, the idea about process, uh, this forces companies to clearly define their governance process and enforcement policies, uh, which oftentimes we we just uh, rely on our on our human workforce to know and and, and have memorized. So so we actually teach the robots. So, so just so I can have clarity and so our listeners can as well, is this something like my Siri or um, my Google machine where I tell it I want something and it comes back and gives me a bunch of examples? Is that a simple that, that, version that, of this? That, that is a rudimentary uh, representation, but artificial intelligence voice recognition, all of those kinds of things, and your, and, and your automated, whether it's on your phone or you've got it sitting in your kitchen or, or your living room or, or whatever, it learns. It learns your voice. For, for instance, most, most of us actually uh, have, have our phones set up that they only answer to our voices. That's part of artificial learning, and that's, that's kind of a way to start thinking about uh, how the RPA industry works. Um, uh, and, 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 and so, uh, uh, there, there is some, some valid comparison there, uh, but you need to think, think beyond that, that literally you can, you can give a task to these robots and then, and, and, and then if, if they're unattended, uh, capable, they'll go off and do it on their own. Other robots, you have, you have to attend them. Uh, and, and so again, it, it depends upon how sophisticated and, and, and how complex, uh, you know, the thing works. I, I happen to believe that the enterprise, uh, type installations where, where more than one individual can access uh, the robots is, is most productive. Uh, and in the long run, the un- unattended versus attended version, uh, you know, with, within the digital workforce, uh, is is also more sophisticated, capable of doing more, uh, and re- and requires uh, uh, less guidance from the human, so to speak. 
So if these robots can go off and do things while I'm sleeping, which is your point that they can work 24 hours a day, how do we attend to ethics, cybersecurity, some of those concerns that we hear people raise, and appropriately so, especially as an Intel guy and a cyber guy, you must have given this a lot of thought. Uh, I have, uh, and in fact, I, I, I work with, with several in the RPA industry, uh, and, and so the idea of, of security is very, very important, and so if your robot is to be trustworthy, uh, they have to be audible about whether or not, you know, how secure they are. For, for instance, uh, you know, you can give them, a, they should have a training record, you know what they're trained on, and they should have a, an access or security clearance associated with the things that, that they can work on. Uh, and, and as you and I have talked in the past, most cybersecurity uh, compromises are the result of human error, of, of humans uh, doing something that they're not supposed to, insider behavior, in fact, counts for well over 90% of all cybersecurity breaches. You don't have a robot going off and, and doing unauthorized behavior because they're only programmed to do authorized behavior. So that in some respects, they're, they're inherently uh, more secure, safer, uh, and, and again, depending upon what access you, you give to the robots determines what, uh, what attack areas they, they have coming from the outside. And, and again, that is, that is uh, much more easily governed with access permissions than it is with a human. And, uh, and, and like I said, they have a training record. You know what they're trained on. They also need a performance record that says that, you know, they, they managed to get through X number of tasks in this, in this amount of time uh, with, this month, with this degree of accuracy. Uh, and, hmm, that's, that's, that exactly meets standard. Or, well, you know, we need to improve that. And so we... We uh, provide a more efficient training mechanism. We change the process. We we reprogram the robot, and and uh, we're off and running with hopefully a, a better a better series of, of results and outcomes. So I'm going to go off on a tangent for just a minute. So. When I monitor my computer security, I get attempted break-ins to my website probably every 20 minutes. It's why we have the CAPTCHAs and those things, as you obviously know. I'm assuming those are bots used for negative terms because the bot itself doesn't care what it does. Yeah. Isn't it interesting that that, uh, 20 years ago, 25 years ago, uh, the term bot was a positive thing in the computer industry. And, and then a few years, you know, a few years ago, bot became a negative connotation uh, because the evildoers were using bots to continually go after, to find things and things like that. And so the hitting up, you know, the, the, the same ones that hit up your site are the same ones that hit up my site, you know, a thousand times a week. Now, that is not done by a human. That's done by a bot. Uh, and so uh, uh, this is this is the idea that says that that the, the technology that works one way can also work another way, and so that's why I think it's really important uh, for us to think of this digital workforce as, in fact, a workforce, not automation, uh, but uh, 
but but we treat it as as these are outcomes that we need, and and they are completely auditable and monitoring and all those kinds of things. But but you have precisely identified why so many people today, when you say bot, they immediately think of a denial of service attack, or they or they think that that of compromise of loss of identity, uh, all of those kinds of things. That's because uh, the evildoers uh, make use of the digital workforce uh, just as well. So I shouldn't be dissuaded from using bots just because somebody bad did something, just like I wouldn't be dissuaded from driving a car because somebody got in a car wreck. It's just a question of how I use it and doing it ethically and, and smartly. Precisely. Yeah, and smartly. And, and oh, by the way, uh, if I, I think we're going to find that the cybersecurity industry is going to become a huge user of the digital workforce because the because the digital workforce can can monitor security logs, uh, uh, attack surfaces, and things like that twenty four hours. Whereas whereas just for you to have one human to monitor all those things. One human position, one FTE, you'd have to have five employees. Right? You can have five bots do, uh, doing that at a much lower cost, and 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 it's really not exciting, fulfilling work. Uh, you know, uh, mo- monitoring all these ones and zeros coming through a firewall or uh, or appearing on a domain name server or, or any of those kinds of things. So I think we'll see the cybersecurity industry more and more using a digital workforce and bots uh, to combat the the uh, evils digital workforce and bots try, trying to perpetrate uh, bad things. So my assumption as you talk about this is that those emails I get all the time are probably generated, they're certainly not written by humans who've gone through the logs. It's an automated process. That's correct. It, it's, it's an automated process. And, so, and, uh, and, and I, and I think, unless you, unless you have, uh, uh, a, di- a digital bot force on, on your side, particularly in the security risk area, uh, you're probably at a disadvantage unless you can hire reams and reams of people. So to that point, so we're talking about a shortage of workers and a high cost of having humans and being at a disadvantage against either my competition or the bad guys who are just creating annoying things happening in my world from ransomware to stuff just going wrong, uh, weird stuff mm-hmm. popping up on my website. So, so it, it sounds like either as a service or within my four walls, I need to be looking at bots, but I not knowing where to start. Are they expensive? Do I go to the store and buy R2-D2? What, what does this look like now? Sure. Okay, so uh, uh, all, all, good, all good questions. Uh, there, are, there are industry leaders in, in this business. Uh, I am associated with the company of Blue Prism, and, okay. uh, and, and, and they, they, they can size a, a bot workforce or a digital workforce for, for organizations of virtually any size. Uh, and, and, and in fact, they, they concentrate on the business of enterprise deployment, uh, and, and think of, think of the bots or the digital workforce as a workforce. Uh, 
Uh, and, and they do this for, for several reasons. Uh, it more easily fits into leadership's thinking of how work is accomplished and what the outcomes are from that work. Uh, it, it also is culturally easier, in, in my view, to integrate the digital workforce with the human workforce in a seamless enterprise. You know, if you think of them as, doing, as, as, as both doing work, and, and work needs to be integrated, uh, and you need to capture that, that, uh, the management of that, of that bot work product and integrate it with the, with the work product of your human workforce, it keeps those things uh, those contributions uh, aligned and easier to discuss, and and so uh, so if, if if you were to to work work with uh, with companies like like Blue Prism, uh, they they would uh, uh, they would work through your process and and you would onboard your your robot just like you would onboard a human, and they would be credentialed to do certain tasks, and they could be credentialed to do more tasks. Uh, uh, the, the more you figured out how, how to leverage it. Uh, and so you would continually educate and train uh, this, di- this digital workforce, you know, as, as uh, you found more things that, that you needed them to do, you know, educate and train just like you would the human workforce. Uh, and, and then you would have them scale and collaborate with the human workforce for the things that they would provide so that the human workforce, again, could work uh, on, uh, on, on the higher level cognitive, uh, functions, uh, that, that, that your, that your organization needs. And, and I would even go so far as to, you know, if, if, if you, if you want to think about the digital workforce as, as a workforce, if, if your, uh, humans pay union dues, maybe, maybe your robots ought to too. Uh, and you ought to think about retiring your digital workforce, just like you would a human workforce, except you don't. All you have to do is dispose of the software. You don't. You don't have to pay pay uh, health health care and retirement benefits for the life of the individual. <laughs> so that's that's a significant difference. And we're going to go on break right now. So for our listeners, think about how you would integrate your robots and the idea that you would actually be paying union dues, sending them to, not sending them to training in the same way that they get on airplanes, but that they will be getting training as well. So it really is looking like a workforce, not a machine. So we'll be right back. Dale Myros, Maureen Metcalf, talking about the digital workforce. And we'll talk about use cases in the next segment. Now you don't have to stay linked to your desktop or laptop. Take Voice America on the go and listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. The Voice America Live Events Channel is here now to showcase your corporate, individual, or organization's live event. Visit voiceamerica.com forward slash live events to see all of our past live events and find out more. Whether it's a multi-day conference, special speaker, or single-day event, we've got everything to make your event a success. We can do a few hours or a few days. For more information about taking your event to the next level, call Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or email info at voiceamerica.com. Again, that's Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or send us an email to info 
at voiceamerica.com. Voice America is where you are and where you want to be. Join us around the globe as we broadcast live from some of the most interesting events available. Don't forget to view all our live events, including on-demand access to past events that you may have missed by visiting voiceamerica.com forward slash live events. The Innovative Leadership Institute is your trusted partner to create perpetual innovation and evolution in your leadership and organization. Are you ready to innovate and evolve? Since its inception, the Innovative Leadership Institute has been dedicated to helping leaders evolve their leadership mindset and skills and create organizations that can continually innovate to achieve results in a highly competitive and rapidly changing environment. We help leaders, management teams, and organizations identify and create the capacity to update how they lead, identify, and implement transformative solutions necessary to meet their mission and create strategic advantage. The Innovative Leadership Institute offers proven results backed by leading-edge research and a global network of accomplished consultants and thought leaders. Visit InnovativeLeadershipInstitute.com. Maureen and her associates are ready to discuss your needs and tailor a solution to meet your goals. Move forward with the Innovative Leadership Institute. Visit InnovativeLeadershipInstitute.com today. Find out what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at VoiceAmericaTRN. You are listening to Innovative Leadership, co-creating our future. To reach Maureen Metcalf or her guest today, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to info at InnovativeLeadershipInstitute.com. Now, back to this week's program. Welcome back to Innovating Leadership, Co-Creating Our Future. And the idea of co-creating is interesting when the we that's creating it is humans and robots. Uh, I grew up in the Star Wars generation, and and this brings brings something full circle as we think about the robots not looking like they did then, but that they play significant roles or will in us us as leaders running our organization. So talking about creating strategic advantage, looking at the trends and how do we leverage those as leaders, both for the workforce we're leading, but also what does it mean for me as a human being who's had things I spent my life learning how to do and the idea that a machine could do it better, faster, cheaper, and wondering what's my role in world. So with that as a backdrop, let's talk, Dale, about some of the use cases. Sure. Uh, again, again, re- recall that there are two basic deployments of, of computers. One is at the enterprise level in, in which uh, multiple people have access to the resource, and the other tends to be uh, uh, one on a single computer that, that can only service the, the, the person or few persons that have access to that single computer. Uh, so that and, would be like so my Alexa, best. basically. Anyone who That's walks right. by That's can right. talk That's to it, but in theory, anybody right. in the world can't. That's right, e- exactly. Or anybody in your organization can't, uh, because as right. a rule, you don't give uh, access to your laptop to everybody in the organization. 
That's, that's a fairly restricted thing. And so there are mm-hmm. best practices associated with each. And, and, and so, the, you know, for instance, the desktop becomes a personal digital assistant. And we're kind of used to that. The, our phone does that. You know, it can give us reminders and things like that. Uh, but, but a, but a, 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 a personal digital bot uh, in, in fact, uh, you know, might, might go out and, and find training that you need to do and then administer the training to you. It may keep your calendar. It may keep your schedule, it, you know, all of those kinds of things. Uh, but, but I think the, the best practice uh, elements end up being in the enterprise and, and, and you know, using RPA as, as an enterprise uh, element. Uh, the, uh, the, the company I, I worked very closely with, Blue Prism, uh, is is very prominent in the financial sector, uh, and, and and in fact is well established uh, in the financial sector as as being as being a, a leader in in global in global implementation of these kinds of things. So if you think about the financial sector, you're typically talking about transactions, uh, and and by next year. Uh, it is forecasted that the financial sec- uh, sector will have 725 billion transactions. That means and it's so, a typical. So large, these, yeah, that's a lot. <laughs> so that means these bots can automate and get smarter with each kind of transaction and detect fraud and those kinds of things. Exactly. Exactly, and 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 you you program them to highlight things that that maybe you shift over to your human workforce. Uh, but think, a, a typical global uh, credit card organization will need to process like five hundred thousand credit card transactions a second. Uh, you know how many humans it would take to process five hundred some odd thousand transact. Uh, Transactions a second. I mean, it, it, it's you know, it, it's all falls to the box. And by and large, uh, the uh, the financial industry did so with out of the box RPA capabilities, which means that that uh, uh, once the process uh, was was un- undertaken and, and and mapped out. Uh, the uh, the RPA capability did not have to go under uh, a significant amount of tailoring, special software writing, all of those kind all of those kinds of things. Uh, and so, so these these robots are are, are pretty versatile. Uh, you know, once once they learn what is acceptable versus what is unacceptable with regard to out, to inputs and outputs, uh, you know, they're they're literally off off and running. So, Dale, in the past, coming out of the technology industry, a lot of this, I thought, was automated anyway, right? So there wasn't a person Mm -hmm. in the back room processing each check. What's the difference between the racks of servers and, and large mainframes, I'm guessing, processing versus what a bot's doing? What's the difference? Sure. Well, sure. What, what, what is based upon computing process, and that's what you're talking about, mm-hmm. as, as to how many things can, uh, can, can you process and compute. Uh, but the RPA capability uh, is, is one that makes judgments. Good, bad, yes, no. Pass, don't pass. You know, the, the, the automate. And see, that's why, I, that's why I think it's important as leaders uh, 
we start thinking about, about the RPA industry uh, as providing a robot workforce or a digital workforce or whatever, whatever your culture is comfortable uh, in, in working with, working with the, the human workforce. Uh, so so in, in the past, you know, like, like whether it's security logs or financial transactions or things like that, we had to print those out and a human had to flip through them. And then we got a little more automated and so then they appeared on a screen and a human's arrowing through them. And then we, and, and so, but now instead of a human checking logs or, or arrowing through screen after screen of, of looking for, for right codes or wrong codes or, or how things are classified or, or, or whatever, you have a robot doing it. Uh, and, uh, and, and in fact, that robot can work 20, uh, 24 by 7 without, without interruption. And, and so it's, 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 uh, you know, the difference of, of what we used to consider automated versus what, what the uh, RPA industry does, does today is, is really a matter of degree, uh, and sophistication. Okay. So sophistication is the, the thing I'm hearing most that things that would be, so all those, transactions were processed before they're still processed but all the exceptions and this check doesn't match what I typed into the ATM machine or it was unreadable or my credit card shouldn't have been used in the Netherlands yesterday when I was logging on to my laptop in Columbus Ohio all that stuff now a bot will analyze make a decision, and very few will be kicked out to a human to analyze. Is that an accurate right. summation? Isn't that, 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 that's pretty accurate, but let me give you another, another little story that I think uh, particularly those of us who are more mature uh, will, will identify with. Uh, do you remember uh, several years ago that you would write a check, uh, you would put it in your mailbox to pay your bill, uh, the post office would take two or three days to deliver it, and and then then whoever you wrote the check to, it would take another three or four, or five, you know, six days to process and clear the check. Right. Mm-hmm. So those were the automated processes. Well, well, nowadays when you pass your phone over the scan reader, uh, you know, if if you're watching real time, it comes out of your <laughs> It comes out of your bank account within minutes and seconds. It's not ten days later, like you and I. Like you and I, you remember used to play in the float, as as in, okay, I can write a check three days before payday, and it won't bounce. Well, yeah. you can't do that anymore because those robots are processing uh, uh, those transactions much faster than the business of how it was processed before. So the robots are doing those, and that's what I was trying to understand is I knew a lot of this was automated anyway, so what's really the difference? So it sounds like they're doing a layer of automation that wasn't possible with traditional automation. Think of it as they're they're performing a series of functions that used to be performed by humans. And again, some people call that automation. I call it work, work redefinition and redistribution. Okay. Because so, I'm thinking of it as a leader. I'm account. I'm accountable for the success of my organ my organization. And 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 if you think of this as as workflow, then then your your uh, line 
profit and loss uh, leadership is in charge of it. If it's thought of as a technical thing, if something's wrong, you call up the technician and they come in and fix it. See what I mean? One's yeah. a task and yeah. the other's a workflow. In the old days, they automated tasks. Now we're automating workflow. So that's so that's the distinction. That that's helpful. Thank you. We only have a few minutes sure. left. Can you give us a very short summary of what's happening in healthcare? Absolutely. Uh, for, uh, the RP, uh, the RPA industry is helping with patient scheduling. So when when patients call in or they enter enter online, uh, the business about uh, about looking at appointments, availability, things like that. Robots robots can do that. Uh, same same thing for for after a doctor uh, makes makes uh, uh, a diagnosis. Uh, you know the the element about what what elements what things are available to the patient is all streamlined. Claims and billing. This is where the insurance company, the insurance industry, very very closely related to the financial industry, works. So. So the, the the business about about RPAs being being able to seamlessly uh, uh, figure out what policies are 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 available and used and where the charges are made and things like that claims and billing patient requests uh, you know the the, the ability that to ask uh, a, a robot even and, and sometimes you don't know whether it's a, a robot or, or a human. Uh, you know what? What? What are the symptoms of the cold, the flu, uh, uh, yellow fever, wh- wh- whatever? And so, so patients can get information much more quickly. Patient records—that uh, that is a, sometimes a very laborious business of compilation, and it takes away health care providers' time. Uh, robots are v- are very good at that. Uh, and 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 then too, it's, it's also very good at tracking uh, things that get on planning schedules. For, for instance, you know, a heart patient needs to come in so often or, or a, uh, an ICU patient needs to have, have things happen every, every so often. They get reliability, reliably reported uh, by a digital worker uh, and don't get distracted like a human might with another emergency. Uh, so those are some of the, some of the things. Uh, that, uh, that that I see happening in, in the RPA industry uh, in, in the healthcare business, and and it is big business, and they're using a lot uh, because because our our schools aren't cranking out that many more nurses and doctors, uh, and and the need for those nurses and doctors to work on the high cognitive, high value healthcare providing mm-hmm. uh, functions is, is greatly important. So the, I think the healthcare industry. Uh, uh, easily sees uh, the need to supplement its workforce uh, with an RPA workforce. So that's really helpful. As we think about the message for leaders, how do I think about leading my digital workforce and getting my humans ready for that transition? And can you give like, this is the one minute answer so we can do a wrap up. I realize that's not, not a problem. Right? Not a problem. You, you start with the humans, I think. You start with the human workforce and say, what, what, what is mundane about your job or what, what is tedious about your job? And if we offloaded those functions from you and provided that information to you from a, digi- uh, from a digital robot, how much more could you do? 
what would your job now look like? Don't ask the robot what it can do. First ask the human what, what they need to do, what you want them to do, and then, then reverse engineer uh, into saying a robot can take this mundane, this repetitive function, uh, these types of things off of the, off of the backs uh, of the human workforce, and now they, they are the talent that is our true differentiation for being better. Great. Thank you. That's really helpful. So we're getting ready to close out. Can you give our listeners any kind of contact information so they can learn more about RPAs, about what you're doing? How would they get smarter? Sure, sure. Uh, again, the company I work with is Blue Prison. You can find them at blueprison.com. Uh, and uh, uh, there are, there are, they have all kinds of, of information uh, or, or you can contact me through uh, uh, myrose.com, which is which is my website, and I'll be happy to connect you uh, with with the people that can help you make your organization better. Dale, thank thank you so much. I know we're rushing at the end. For our listeners, this is a big topic, as, as most of you are aware, and. It is emerging, so we're all learning as we go. We, we certainly look to people like Dale to give us insight and food for thought as we navigate our way through it. So I encourage you to, to learn more, as will I, as we go forward, to look at, as Dale said, how do we get leverage bots to make our work more effective and also to inspire our people to make the shifts they need to make so that we can retain our our industry position. Dale, thank you. And for our listeners, please email me at info at innovateleader.com. And if you want to follow me on LinkedIn, send me a message, say you're a listener, and I will absolutely accept your invitation. Thank you very much. And I hope that you will join us again for another podcast. Thank you again for joining us this week. Please tune in for another edition of Innovating Leadership, co-creating our future with Maureen Metcalf next Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. We hope you'll join us then and have a great week.